sometimes patients have even gone to the internet and Googled, what type of diet should I be on if I have this condition? And this can make them feel very overwhelmed uh, because they get a lot of information from different people and not know what to do. That's Dr. Elizabeth Volkman, a rheumatologist and director of the University of California, Los Angeles Scleroderma Program, and the founder and co-director of the Connective Tissue Disease-Related Interstitial Lung Disease Program at the university, describing how complex and overwhelming nutrition and dietary advice can be for those living with pulmonary fibrosis. Welcome to Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis, a podcast by Boeringer Ingelheim. I'm Louis, and I'll be joined by some extraordinary people living with or impacted by this rare disease to explore the importance of managing diet and nutrition. First, let's look at the impact pulmonary fibrosis can have on one's diet. Linda from Australia, who is living with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, has lost her appetite. One of the biggest things I find is that I don't eat anywhere near as much as I used to. I don't have the appetite that I used to have. Maxine from the UK has noticed that her husband Ron, who's been living with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis for several years, no longer enjoys food as much as he did in the past. He's not enjoying his food like he used to, so now it's more about food that is easier to eat. Once it was a lovely big juicy steak and now it's something like, I don't know, a nice piece of easy small cut chicken that doesn't take so much effort um, because it takes a lot of energy to eat. So it does impact. And then you've got the fact that he doesn't always fancy food, even though he thinks he does. But when it's put in front of him, it's not so appealing anymore. And not enjoying food brings its own social challenges. So it takes longer to eat it. He becomes more conscious in front of people because of that. So I think, yes, I think it does impact. Um, you have to think about where you're going, what you're eating, and when it's being eaten. Let's find out what medical professionals see as the main dietary and nutritional issues that can affect their patients living with pulmonary fibrosis. Dr. Volkman, who introduced this episode, describes how loss of appetite can have different causes. Loss of appetite can occur commonly in patients with pulmonary fibrosis. And the first step to helping a patient with loss of appetite is to figure out what is the cause in patients with scleroderma or systemic sclerosis Many times these patients can have a slowing down of their gut motility, and this can cause them to feel full all of the time, particularly even after eating small meals. Um, So we often then make specific dietary recommendations for these patients so they don't feel as full throughout the day um, and have more of an appetite. Digestive issues are common for people living with pulmonary fibrosis. Here's Ron. It does affect my life. If I do go out for the day, it's about controlling these bowel problems, controlling the bowel problems for yourself. Go to your doctors, show him the leaflets, and he may prescribe you something that stops the diarrhoea or prevents the diarrhoea. Ron was surprised by what foods did and did not affect his digestion. 
I have found with me, things like high-fat foods cause my bowel problems. Believe it or not, skin on apples cause my bowel problems. Fish and chips cause my bowel problems. So keeping a food diary is most important. Another very common problem is acid reflux. Let's hear again from Ron's wife, Maxine, on how idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis has changed Ron's dietary needs. I think diet has impacted the way we live. Uh, we have to obviously keep him healthy. There are certain things that cause reflux, so we have to monitor what he eats. We have to make sure he's eating at regular times. Dr. Volkman also sees pulmonary fibrosis patients with acid reflux issues and describes how these can exacerbate their condition. Yeah, so the disease that a patient has that is associated with their pulmonary fibrosis can greatly influence how I advise them regarding their nutrition. Um, so patients, for example, with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis can have a significant amount of acid reflux or heartburn that they experience. And there's some evidence that these patients who have uncontrolled reflux, this could potentially worsen their underlying pulmonary fibrosis. So we often tailor um, treatments for reflux for them and make adjustments to their diet to help avoid foods that can uh, perpetuate these symptoms or make them worse. It's really important to remind patients that their reflux or their heartburn is not just caused by the food they eat, but it's actually related to the underlying disease. Dr. Letitia Kawano Dorado, a pulmonologist at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, describes some ways of managing acid reflux in people with pulmonary fibrosis. There is a clear need when treating reflux to have uh, to include non-pharmacological measures. And those are behavioral, behavioral measures. So, for example, eat and, and uh, chew very well uh, during meals. You chew very well and then you swallow. Those meals are not close to the time you're going to bed. Or if, if it's for people that uh, usually take a nap during the day, if you decide to take a nap, you decide to take a nap, for example, in those, I usually recommend that to my patients, very comfortable chairs that you can still stay at 45 degree angle so you avoid lying down completely. Uh, this is, those are mechanical measures that will prevent reflux if acid or non-acid to get to your lungs. Dr. Kawano Dorado continues explaining that controlling acid reflux and managing your weight may help to protect vulnerable lungs. Another thing I would like to say about reflux, um, about behavioral measures when dealing with reflux, is that losing weight is an important aspect of reducing reflux episodes. Because then the, in the overweight patient, the reflux is facilitated and... Uh, you have more episodes of reflux, and when you lose weight, you, you're protecting your lungs. Weight and, and breathing, they're interconnected. So, for example, malnutrition, 
low, low weight, low BMI may determine muscle loss, leading to further deconditioning and negatively impacting physical activity capacity. While on the other hand, being overweight increases the burden posed on the respiratory system, again, negatively impacting physical cap activity capacity. For overweight patients that manage to lose weight. What sort of foods to eat and when to eat them is an important aspect of managing pulmonary fibrosis. Najana lives in the Netherlands and was diagnosed with scleroderma-associated interstitial lung disease at a young age. I try to avoid greasy food or snacks, but it's very difficult for me because I'm a food lover. I listen to uh, to my body, what my, my bowels has to say, and then, I, okay, I, I do want to have a snack now. I, I snack now. But sometimes you just do. It's best not to eat after 8 p.m., but sometimes it's hard. Harry from the Netherlands, who lives with familial pulmonary fibrosis, also stresses the importance of timing. I have to be a little bit careful about what I'm eating and the amount I'm eating and the time I'm eating. The timing is uh, also uh, extremely important. If there is a shift in timing, uh, then it might have consequences. Uh, so um, you eat on regular intervals and you don't use too much uh, food, in fact. And, and thanks to my wife, I stick to that rhythm. Harry eats healthily, but also allows himself the occasional indulgence. So veggies should be on the table, uh, fruit should be on the table, uh, not too much meat, uh, that type of things. Huh? Um, I like uh, Italian food enormously, but you shouldn't take it every day. Linda now eats smaller portions, but more frequently. I don't really enjoy food, um, but I've found that eating smaller meals and maybe eating a little bit more often if necessary, not eating bigger meals, eating smaller meals and eating lots and lots more vegetables compared to what I used to eat. So that's uh, in a lot of ways helped manage my side effects. One issue that our guests repeatedly mention is the sheer volume of information available. Dr. Volkman explains how many patients come to her feeling overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory dietary advice as well. Her solution is to develop a highly personalized plan for each patient. So when I first start this dialogue with the patients, I explain to them that there's no one specific diet that works for every patient with the condition that they have. And really, this is going to be a journey where we work together as a partnership to figure out what are the best foods to help nourish them, what foods maybe they want to avoid. But it's a really personalized journey. Loss of appetite is a common symptom that patients can experience. And so when we first start to explore how to treat loss of appetite, the first step is to understand what's really driving or causing the loss of appetite, because there's different possible causes. She also believes that it is important for patients to manage the foods that represent their cultures, which is important in defining who they are and where they come from. I've really come to appreciate how important someone's culture is and the way they experience uh, food and eating, right? This is often the basis for cultures, is this experience of eating together. And so I keep this in mind when I'm helping patients develop their dietary plans, because the idea is so that they don't feel like they're restricting themselves 
themselves so much that they can't enjoy this time with their family and friends that's so meaningful, uh, but that they find ways to enjoy it with the small adaptations that can be helpful for managing their symptoms. So it may be that there's some adjustments to, you know, family recipes that help them tolerate the foods better. Dr. Volkman also acknowledges the role of healthy fats. Some of the things that I talk to patients about are incorporating more healthy fats into their diet because fats typically have more calories, um, but they don't usually take up a lot of space in the gut. So you can usually eat more things that are fatty um, faster and it won't make you feel too bloated, particularly if you have that slow gut motility like many patients with scleroderma do. Ron talks about how useful a food diary has been for him. I tend to do, I kept a food diary of everything that I ate. And I found by keeping a food diary, one day possibly I may visit the toilets on a number of occasions. So I'd look back at what I've eaten and then I'd reintroduce some of the foods. Dr. Volkman endorses Ron's advice. So I think the best starting point for patients is to actually have a dialogue with their healthcare provider and meet with a nutritionist or registered dietitian to talk about the diet that's right for them. Because there's not going to be, again, one diet that's right for every patient. Now we've understood the challenges that pulmonary fibrosis presents in terms of diet and nutrition, and heard from patients and doctors about how this can be mitigated, in our closing section, Let's learn about the benefits that people with pulmonary fibrosis experience from a well-managed diet and good nutrition. What has Najana's experience been? I cut out some uh, dairy and wheat products, and that helped me a lot. Um, but that's more personal. I don't. Everybody has, an, an, has a different kind of body and reacts different to foods. I think it's 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 more uh, complete, like body, mind, soul. So if you're feel good in in your physical way then you feel good also in your mind and it's the unity between all those kind of three understanding the changes in her dietary needs has been a great help to najana i think in general when you eat eat more uh, healthier food you feel better i've been overweight but then when i got diagnosed with systemic sclerosis um I lost a lot of weight, but now I'm more uh, balanced. Uh, this, I think this is now my natural weight, and it feels really good. I feel really strong in my body. Linda feels that she has more energy after losing weight. I've had to be really focused on my diet um, since the middle of 2018. Uh, that was when I was diagnosed with diabetes. So it's has led to me losing in total now I've lost 35 kilos from my heaviest weight. I think losing the weight has made a, a big, had a big effect on my lung health. Mm, I've got more energy than what I had before. I don't get as breathless as what I did before. So um, not having that massive abdominal fat Compressing your lungs makes a difference. Dr. Volkman explains how experts can collaborate to share nutritional advice for patients. The healthcare provider and nutritionist, if they work together as part of a team, can even determine, okay, 
what is this patient eating? They can look at their labs. What vitamins are they deficient in? Um, and, and what are the goals for this patient? Support and guidance can even be found through loved ones, friends and experiences. Najana makes sure to have regular dinner gatherings at her apartment in the Netherlands. I'm very lucky that my husband is a good cook. I'm lucky to be surrounded with people who are good cooks. Harry's wife has joined him and now controls her own portion size as well. I try to refrain from eating too much. And to be quite honest, it's not just me, it's my wife as well. Ron still makes time for old family favourites. My mum was born in Lahore in Pakistan and she's Anglo-Indian and she moved over to this country in 1949 and she taught me how to cook curry and I do cook a lovely curry and my go-to meal is a nice chicken madras curry. Our final word this episode comes from Dr Volkman who re-emphasises the importance of monitoring diet and notes that, for some people, certain foods can increase both energy and activity. I start out encouraging patients to keep a food diary, and this can seem tedious at the beginning, but it's a good way for people to start to notice patterns. So notice that when they eat a certain food, they feel a certain way afterwards, maybe they feel bloated or or tired or get a headache. And then if they start noticing that pattern consistently, it can help them identify the foods that might be more problematic or troublesome for them. And then conversely, they might discover that, wow, you know, when I eat this particular food, I feel more energy. I can breathe better. I can walk more. So keeping patients at a healthy weight is definitely a main focus for me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis podcast. Our next episode will focus on the important topic of multidisciplinary teams. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. There, you will also find previous episodes you might have missed. Also, watch out for the new episodes of our third season. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to hello at boeringer-ingelheim.com.